Hello, everyone. This is another interview by Byte. I am CJ Streetman, managing editor at Byte BSU, and with me I have Joseph DeLapp, an artist and new game designer. Joseph, would you like to introduce yourself and talk about your new project, Killbox? Uh, sure. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, my name is Joseph DeLapp. I'm a professor of digital media at the uh, University of Nevada, Reno. Um, soon to be former professor, actually. Um, I've been hired for a new post at the uh, Habertay University in Dundee, Scotland as a professor in games research, which I'll be moving over there in January to take on that new role. Um, I've been uh, working with electronic media since I was an undergrad student in 1983 at San Jose State University. Um, got the first MFA out of the Cadre Institute program in um, digital media at San Jose State in 1990 and have been kind of making making various experimental art forms ever since, including uh, quite a bit of game-based work, mostly kind of interventionist, politically-oriented practices. I create sculpture, performances, uh, online projects, all kinds of stuff. Um, I'm particularly fond of Dead in Iraq and projects. Uh, I believe it is 929? Uh, yeah, 929, Mapping the Solar, yeah. Um, those were, uh, yeah, those were pretty pretty interesting works to engage in the um uh i mean i could talk about those if you like or, or did you want to hear about Killbox? um for a moment i'd like to hear you talk about any of the works you've done previously that you're especially fond of sure um so the you know my lineage in in kind of exploring computer games um actually probably started about 98 99 um i actually created a a attachment for my computer mouse which allowed me to attach pencils to the mouse and literally kind of map and trace and make abstract drawings of all of my computer activity and that was about the same time I started getting interested in computer gaming just for fun and out of curiosity as my students were kind of getting obsessed with these things and so the first drawings I did were actually playing the game Unreal um, uh, playing maps of that before it was an online match game um and i made these really interesting drawings then eventually you know i just i kept playing games making these drawings and they, they the games eventually went into online spaces and i really found the uh i really found the chat uh, between gamers quite curious you know and that 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 led to these ideas of using that chat space as an opportunity to perform and intervene in these games and, and thinking of online game spaces as a as a new type of public space on the internet mm. um, you know and so why why do I need to just go around shooting others why can't I do other things and sort of almost like treating my avatar and my experience in those spaces as being a kind of street performer um, so the first one I did was actually in 2001 I intervened in the uh, Star Trek Elite Force Voyager online game as Allen Ginsberg, and instead of playing the game, I used the text chat to recite Howl word for word. It took about six hours, all the time getting killed and reincarnated and typing and killed. And that was just this completely bizarre experience that I really had no idea whether it was 
art, whether it was interesting. It was truly an experiment. And um, in fact, it landed up being one of the first instances of an artist doing a performance work inside of a shooter game um, and led towards these other projects. In 2006, A Dead in Iraq was essentially a, an intervention into the America's Army computer game, which is the Defense Department created a recruiting platform for the U.S. military. It's a shooter game, essentially. And I went into that game, and uh, my avatar's name was Dead in Iraq. And I used the text messaging system. I essentially would go into the game, drop my weapon, and begin to type in the names of U.S. soldiers who had died in the Iraq conflict. Mm. And it was a, I considered it a, a, a memorial and a protest. So these names and the names, age, uh, date of death, and service, service branch of each casualty would appear on other players' screens briefly and then scroll away as the action of the game you know, went forward. Um, and this was uh, very controversial um, and was uh, quite, I think, effective in, in reaching a rather large audience through the eventual kind of reportage on the project and kind of went viral in a very big way. Um, it was a really intense project um, that led to a bunch of other number of other works, including uh, well, there was one. There was a particular instance where uh, I was responding to a commenter on a story online who was criticizing me for my actions in the America's Army game, and this guy accused me of having a Gandhi complex, which I thought was really kind of funny because um, you know that that he thought of that as an insult, um, yeah. but it led to some thoughts and actually landed up the next big project I did was uh, a reenactment of Gandhi's salt march in Second Life uh, using a treadmill. So I actually walked 240 miles on a treadmill using it as a game controller to guide my Gandhi avatar around Second Life interacting with other residents and landed up into all kinds of other things, a big 17-foot reproduction of my Gandhi avatar in cardboard in a kind of low polygon style and um, the uh, the project nine two nine was kind of a another step towards engaging in kind of political actions, uh, but moving outside of virtual realms. That was a um, it was a, a bicycle ride around the Nellis Air Force Range in southern Nevada, a specially equipped bike with a um, an arm very similar to the one that I put onto the mouse to do the drawings, but this was trailing behind the bike. And I, I cast actually large pieces of chalk, which I then rode the bike and drew a circle around the entire Nellis Air Force range. And, and the idea was the uh, Union of Concerned Scientists had suggested that a 100-mile by 100-mile square solar farm somewhere in the southwest desert would be enough to provide all the power needs of the United States. And I thought that was reasonable. That seemed perfectly reasonable to me. And I started looking at the map and the... Um, the Nellis Air Force Range, which is the largest peacetime military base in the world, basically is that amount of square mileage. And so I used the public road surrounding it as a way of kind of creating a kind of a, a suggestion at repurposing, you know, kind of why why we would use this area for essentially destructive purposes. It's the um, it's where the Nevada test site is, Area 51, where they test all our experimental aircraft, including drones. Um, and that's actually when I got very interested in drones as well, learning the history of Nellis Air Force. Um, the Nellis Air Force range is the Area 51 was where the 
where weaponized drones were first tested, um, and of course Creech Air Force Base is within the Nellis Air Force Range, and that is where many of the drones are controlled around the world as I speak. So, long story short, um, I've done a bunch of projects dealing with drones and the civilian casualties, um, sculptures, installations, various things, and the, um, the, the kill box, which is what we're here to talk about is a uh, kind of result of that lineage of work. And uh, I, I was approached by a wonderful organization, turbulence.org in New York city who commissions net art works. Um, they invited me to submit a proposal and I thought, well, I've been doing all this work in computer games for a decade plus. Maybe it was time I actually made a game. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I suggested a game about drone warfare and they, they were very excited about it, and about the same time, I was approached by an organization in the UK, um, in in Leicester, uh, UK, who wanted to commission me for a different work. And I said, "Well, I'm working on this," uh, so that we ended up combining that funding, and then I landed up going to Scotland and working with uh, some game developers in Dundee um, while I was on sabbatical last year, and that's how um, Killbox basically came about. And uh, it's, it's really a sort of team collaborative effort this kind of basic idea concept that I brought to the table of essentially how would we make a computer game kind of based on a shooter game model, but having to deal with the fact that when you have a two-person shooter game, you're, you're generally as well-armed as your opponent. There's an there's a equal sort of agency between the two players. But in drone warfare, of course, it's completely asymmetrical. Um, you have the drone pilot sensor operator, et cetera, who have all the agency, and you have those on the ground who have zero agency. And and so we created a gaming experience that kind of explores that. Um, and essentially, you go to this game, you can play it online. We also, uh, our, our preferred mode is, is a, a installation format where you have a, a, a table set up with two facing players on computers and headphones and you have a choice when you enter the game of either playing as a drone pilot or as a civilian on the ground in uh, North Waziristan, Pakistan. And those experiences are very different but connected. So the drone pilot is essentially um, targeting the village where you're wandering around on the other side and then there's a, a missile fired and, and you know then when the game is over and you're dead... <laughs> On the one side, and you're you know you're still sitting, you're perfectly comfortable on the other. Then the roles switch, and you, and you play from opposite ends. Um, it's been a really interesting project and, and kind of experiment as well, especially watching audiences and people play it. Um, we've had people actually uh, walk away from the game in tears. Uh, there's a there's a very interesting moment when there's kind of a realization that oh that person just dropped a bomb on. Me. You know that type of thing, mm-hmm. um, and it's uh, it's it's been so I, I've been quite happy with the project and uh, been wonderful working with my collaborators uh, Mal Abbas and uh, Abbas and uh, Tom DiMaggio and Albert Elwin. Uh, you mentioned that it could also be experienced online. Is this available in like a wide release? Yes, um, it's available either through the turbulence.org website. Or you can go to um, killbox.info, and you should be able to download it from there. Um, And generally, you're playing against a bot in that situation, unless there's someone else online playing at the same time, which you just 
we haven't really set it up for that kind of um, um, network play in the sense that you'd go to a server and kind of pick you know your your match on that. But you you could definitely experience it. You have to download the game first, and it's available for Mac or PC. But you generally find that that closed controlled environment leads to a much stronger reaction from the participants i think so particularly because the the human interaction that you have with the other players in in a face-to-face uh context um but but you can definitely get an idea of it and a sense of it through the online play as well it's really not a fun game you know it's <laughs> it's um I feel like and, and an intentionally so but but working with the you know um these designers and, and artists it's really great because they really they they really put a sensibility into the game that that kind of draws you in with the kind of um, you know this, it, it's like oh it's a game look at this you know look at this village you're you're running around in and 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 it's but it has this kind of very subtle sort of dark uh, ending to it that generally kind of moves people to to some sort of some sort of thought and experience that of what it might be like to be in that situation. Uh, one of the most interesting parts of it that I personally haven't had the time to sit down and experience it yet, but I'm certainly going to like immediately after this. One of the most interesting parts I read about was on the drone operator side, the ending requires you to estimate the casualties. Yeah, uh, and that's something... Uh, um, so in, in researching drones, which I've been really kind of immersed in the last couple of years and reading about it, it's really a, an interesting process. Sorry, my cat's meowing. Um, the, um, they have to linger over the bomb site and, and actually um, count, estimate the casualties, um, the kills, right? Yeah. And that, um, there's been actually quite a few instances and in, in writings about uh, PTSD and drone operators. And, and I think because of this, you know, in, in part, yeah, they they linger for hours, sometimes days, over particular areas, watching, becoming familiar with the you know the routines and that, and then they have to stick around and and really sort of assess the damage. Um, so that so that was a way we built that into the game where after you after you drop the bombs um, and you do a double what's called a, a double tap uh, strike, so you're you're shooting a second missile to ensure that those on the ground are are, are killed. Um, you have to estimate the numbers killed and, and type in a number. And that's actually become really a, a very, very important part of the game because um, it really sort of drives home, you know, what, what, what this is about. Yeah, a number of people I've read uh, note that they have a really hard time estimating it accurately and they just want to hope and put in that they only killed the target. They like they only killed one, and it's like, yeah, I know, and that's never quite the case. No. Um, you were mentioning obviously that some people have walked away in tears that this is a very powerful experience. Does does it become frustrating, however, to see the opposite end of the spectrum? People who walk away feeling like I believe the quote that I read from one participant was they wish they could have killed someone as the kid. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and that, but that's. But that's interesting too. I, I think there's going to be all kinds of different reactions to a game like this because it really kind of it plays with many of the game gaming tropes and conventions while at the same time challenging them. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, you know, there's there's more and more room. I, I hope in in gaming for creating experience that experiences that really sort of push one's expectations 
And whether that, it's a bit, to me, it's a bit like the dead in Iraq thing, you know, like I would get these fierce negative reactions when other players were in the game, you know, with me and I'm typing these things in and they're like, go away. We come, we come here to play. This is a game. This is a game, you know, like don't interfere with our gameplay you know, uh, screw you, you know, all, you know, just really everything you can imagine. Um, but I, but I have to think that what I was doing in there and what we're doing with Killbox is when these, when these gamers will walk away and maybe they're disappointed that as a kid, they didn't get to blow things up or kill their neighbors or whatever, um, that they're probably still thinking about it. You know, like, why was it designed like that? What, what, you know, that, that it was that it was a gaming experience that was different from what they were expecting to see in in a given context, according to all of the, you know, uh, so many of the, those kind of typified experiences in computer games. Um, so I, I so I suspect it probably sinks in on some level, you know, what it's about and why. Yeah, um, in that roundabout way. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's fine. And and there may be some that are just like. Well, that's no fun. I'm going to walk away, but that's okay too. I mean, you know, but I don't, I don't mind that at all. Can't please everybody, and we're really not out to please anyway. It's more about creating a kind of challenging, uh, interactive experience with with a computer game, which is so uh, symbolically and directly connected to the actual functioning of being a drone pilot. Right? There is this. I mean, they're actually designing the controls to be like Xbox and all this kind of, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. so there's this really nice kind of um, strange sort of circularity to what we're trying to accomplish with this game because it does, it does land up being very, uh, very apropos considering the subject matter. And um, just one final question, just given that this is the first game that you've developed and mm-hmm. possibly one of a few over the course of time. What was your level of involvement with the development of the project? Okay. Um, so uh, it was actually quite amazing. You know, it was, it was, uh, I, I usually work as a solo artist. I mean, I do a lot of work where I'm, I'm you know, I go into places and with these kind of uh, group efforts to build these enormous cardboard sculptures and that kind of thing. Um, this was quite different. It was really, truly a collaboration, uh, and I think game development requires that. So I had a um, myself. I probably played the role of, of the lead artist. Um, it, it was it was my initial idea, concept, and funding that kind of got this process started. Uh, Mal and Tom are both game artists, designers, and then we had uh, Albert Elwin, who's a, a, a coder, um, and that was um, really you know. And uh, Tom brought his expertise in sound design as well. So it's a really interesting kind of group effort, um, which it is definitely definitely uh, provides an opportunity for uh, amazing possibilities and also a lot of challenges. You know, there, there's differences of opinion and thought, and and I think in the end it all sort of gelled down to a, to a really really interesting project that I'm very very proud of. Okay, well, thank you so much for talking with us today. This has been fascinating. Well, thank you. And um, yeah, do send me a link when you get this up so we can uh, put it on our blog and all that. Absolutely. Is there anything that you'd like to plug here that we can include with the uh, the posting? Um, check out. Well, uh, certainly folks should uh, visit killbox.info. Uh, and uh, we just actually yesterday were allowed to announce that the, uh, the game was selected for Indicade 
in uh, Los Angeles, and it will be being shown there the weekend of October 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th. And I think the entire team will be there as well. That's at USC in, in Los Angeles. Really excited about that. Nice. Um, it'll also be shown in, in uh, Dundee, Scotland, as part of the Neon Festival in November. Okay. Well, that is it for this interview. Thank you so much once again. We will talk to you next time. Great. Thank you. Have a good one. You too.